Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, tonight we will be discussing everything Bundesliga returning. Eh? It was a fantastic weekend for us as we were starved of football and now it's back. Joining me, as always, Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Yeah, good, because football is back. I think, you know, it wasn't ideal, but we have it back, so... It's nice to actually cover proper games rather than writing about just, you know, transfers that may never happen. So I'm doing a lot better, Bryce. How about you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. It was good um, to, to have the football back. It was a little bit different. We'll get to that, I think, uh, very shortly. But um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. Uh, joining Manu and I, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how are you? Bryce, I'm actually okay. I had a uh, COVID-19 antibody test today, so I've got two large bruises on the end of two of my fingertips, which is a bit of a nightmare for a journalist because it's quite sort of tight this evening, so I'm hoping that um, improves in the next 24 hours. <laughs> well, at least you'll have some time just talking rather than typing uh, in the next 45 to uh, 60 minutes. But uh, joining uh, Manu, uh, Chris and I this week, uh, someone that's been on the pod previously, so you might well uh, recognise him. Oh, his, well, his name, you'll certainly recognise his voice. And that is Derek Ray. Derek, how are you? Have you been enjoying the football back? Hello, Bryce. I'm well, thanks. Yes, it's good to have it back. I think we all prefer to be talking about football matches than the side issues. Although I will say I've actually quite enjoyed the last few weeks. I found it quite calming covering the entire debate about the Bundesliga coming back because while we, of course, are football fans ourselves and, as we said, happy to be reporting on it again, there is a sizable chunk of the German population not in that camp. And I think sometimes to see the other point of view helps you solidify your own views on a particular subject. Absolutely. And I suppose before we we get to it, um, Derek, you'll know. Uh, all too well, just like Chris, Manu and I have been experiencing uh, a lot of new fans to the Bundesliga as it's the first uh, major league to return. Um, so for anyone that doesn't uh, know you, shame on them. But could you just explain how is it you managed to get into German football and what is it exactly you do? Well, I'm an international football commentator. I've been in the commentary business for more than three decades, and I work for a variety of entities as a freelance broadcaster nowadays. But my link with German football goes all the way back to my days in Scotland and Aberdeen as a youngster learning German and having a radio connection or a signal with NDR in Hamburg, of course, just on the other side of the North Sea from Aberdeen. And uh, allied to that was the ability at a young age to listen to the Bundesliga, the Konferenzschaltungen, live from across Germany as an impressionable youngster who wanted to speak much better German and, of course, know about the Bundesliga. Um, so throughout my broadcasting career, I've always had an interest. I've been lucky enough to work on German soil a lot, initially with the BBC covering Scottish teams in Europe, and more recently working for the Bundesliga's World Feed, also during my time at BT Sport in the UK, uh, but I do normally find myself regularly in Germany covering the Bundesliga for the World Feed, although living as I do now here in Massachusetts in the USA, um, 
I'm not going to be traveling anytime soon, alas. <laughs> Good stuff. I must say, Derek, I really enjoyed your match preview, especially of the Cologne game over the weekend. Uh, I was wondering whether you had to stop a few times you know, due to people maybe saying there's a delivery at the door or it's time for tea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very entertaining. If you're not following uh, Derek on Twitter, well, shame on you. Get on there. But um, guys, let, let's talk about this um, weekend of football. It was obviously a very different. Uh, we're very glad to have it back. Uh, but um, well, well, we'll go to Manu first. Um, how were your general feelings um, about how it went? Yeah, I, I thought it went okay. Um, I thought... You know, I was a little bit worried about the league coming back, excited and worried at the same time, because I knew that the eyes of the world would be on the Bundesliga. Um, a lot of people would be watching the league for the first time. A lot of people in the United States, a lot of people in the United Kingdom, across the world, really. And I think my biggest worry was that they're going to look at these games, the first match day, match day 26, after three months off, and say, well, this isn't very good. There's no atmosphere. There's, you know, the players are making mistakes. The tempo isn't quite as high. Um, it's going to give a room of interpreting the game in Germany, maybe not to the way it actually is on the usual level or the way we experience it. And that was a, that was my worry. On the other hand, I was really happy to, to see it back because I know that this is the new reality. This is how sport going forward is going to be until... We beat this thing um, one way or another, right? So I think on the whole it went well. I think the football was actually a lot better than I thought it would be. I actually enjoyed certain aspects of the watching experience, being able to hear the players talk to each other, the sound of the ball, um, the communication with the refereeing teams, those are things that I really enjoyed. And I think, you know, if you really if you really look at that, there's a lot of things to take away from. So I think it went okay. I hope that people that tuned in for the first time don't think it's always like this. And I hope that they also appreciate the fact that these players have been off for a long time. So little individual mistakes that happened, you know, they were going to be gone in the next week or two. Absolutely. Very true words. Um, Derek, how did you feel about this weekend? You expressed um, a little bit there about uh, some fans not being uh, too happy. But um, also, have you got any messages for any new fans that maybe watched it and, you know, maybe... You know, as Manu has said, you know, not to completely judge it uh, by this weekend. Yeah, I think we have to say that it was a first step and it was always going to be this way. Um, football as it's meant to be. We talk a lot about that. This was not going to be football as it's meant to be. It couldn't possibly be, but it did have to come back in this form. There was no way around that. And we know the reasons for coming back in this form. Uh, it's a matter of survival for several football clubs. It's a matter of economics. But I think Manu's right. We can take away the positives that we want to take away from the weekend. And there was some excellent football. I must say, I watched the Saturday afternoon games on this occasion in a way I don't normally watch them. And that is by means of the conference. So all the games being played at the same time, bouncing from one match to another. And I actually found it quite satisfying in that form. Now, again, we didn't have the atmosphere that is such a big selling point. Let's make no bones about that. One of the attractions of the Bundesliga is the atmosphere. Uh, it's the best attended league in the world. Uh, people go to Germany from other parts of the world because of the atmosphere. Yes, because of the football, because they want to see the high level of football. But it's the unique atmosphere of the Bundesliga that entices fans. And so it's going to be a while before we have that again. But uh, I enjoyed a lot of little things about it, a lot of quirky things about it. Um, you know, I'm not sure that I would be particularly keen on the idea of having football served up this way every week for the rest of my life. I'm sure I'm not the only one who would say that. But um, again, going back to what Manu said about the, uh, the referees, being able to actually hear, if you speak German, what um, they were saying and what they were asking the Kölner Keller, the, uh, uh, the VAR centre, about. Uh, again, that was a new insight. And, and maybe that's something that in time we will hear on a game-by-game -game basis. So um, I think it was all about getting through this because, uh, you know, first week back, first day at school, if you like, after a long holiday with a different set of circumstances, you know, really in tandem with how many other businesses 
are experiencing coming back after their own break because of COVID-19. Yeah, very, very much so. It's um, interesting in, in many different levels. And Chris, I, I think uh, quite a few people were speaking to you online, weren't they? Um, saying that, you know, the, uh, the the crowd not being there, you know, it, it made it hard for them to watch. But I think you made some very valid points about um, real football people talk about. And, 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 and this was football that it's, you know, it, it's very essence, I suppose. Yeah, it was. And I'm a big believer in fans. I mean, I tuned into the, um, you know, the Ruhr Derby, Dortmund against Schalke. And like um, like Derek's been to plenty and Manu's been to a lot. And, I, and I've been to quite a few now. And whether it's at the Veltins Arena or it's at the West Stadion at Signal Aduna Park, it's the atmosphere that makes that game. And it was very odd for me when it kicked off. But after 10 minutes, I spoke about this this morning as well to someone. After 10 minutes, I didn't forget that the fans weren't there. I just turned my attention to the pure football elements. Um, you know, I know Manu has, and I'm pretty sure Derek will have done. I've been to games where there's been more dogs present than humans. And I've also been uncovered academy football as well, where there isn't a crowd. And, you know, you get to hear the players and you get to see the players in a different light. And I do understand everybody who has a problem with football coming back at this time. Um, and we spoke last week about why it's coming back, you know, that the intrinsic link that football has to um, television money and, and the rights and the wrongs of that but once the football got started I, I was able to enjoy the football but yeah I mean it was severely lacking um, from from the stands and for me it just underlined um, what the fans do they they make football the product that it is and, and the Bundesliga Derek said it, it, it thrives on that in fact it probably sells its package across the world based on the atmosphere that's generated so when we get it back it's going to be an amazing day. But as we've all said, for this moment in time, it's what needs to go on. But yeah, I mean, I was I was thrilled to hear certain things like um, at Dortmund. I do know they do have a, a little uh, microphone by the bottom of the goal so you can hear the crack of the bar when it bangs on the ground. You can hear that normally on a match day at Dortmund, but to be able to hear it with such um, precision, it made the sound of that goal even better. So there are little things that we're going to hear, little differences. But even tonight's game, I tweeted out before a picture um, from Verda's home game where the, the fans are right in front of you and they are, you know, they will interact with you while you're writing and while you're working. And I'm, I'm not able to get over to Germany and work at the moment, but I can imagine if I was, I would miss that interaction with the fans as well. Yeah, such an important part um, to football and uh, certainly the game over there. You know, we've we've all been to games and you know it, it really does make a difference and it's it's really quite special over there. Tom Delaney, chance to break out. He's run away first time for Merling Holland, but the advantage played by Eteki and this might finish it. What a counter attack! What a strike! Surely. Well, we mentioned that the biggest game of the weekend was going to be Dortmund taking on Schalke. And that's right. A little bit of a different derby to what we're used to. But Riviera Derby, as we've always mentioned, lives up to the hype of uh, entertainment anyway. And it was a 4-0 victory to BVB. Uh, it didn't take long. It was 29 minutes in. We've seen a regular occurrence uh, with Haaland popping up the goal. Two from Guerra. And then one from Hazard as well. So, it, well, victory uh, for Dortmund. Uh, Derek, um, watching this game, I mean, it was obviously a, very different, uh, as we keep mentioning over and over again, um, to the regular uh, Riviera Derbys. But um, a very convincing one for Dortmund. They're, they're going to be coming away from this absolutely delighted, as it was very much one-way traffic. Yeah, biggest derby win since 1966. And it's interesting. I didn't watch it this way, but if you had watched it with the sound turned down, would you have felt it was uh, the Revilla derby as we know it or not? I, I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. But it didn't seem like your normal derby fair because the great thing about this fixture, and I've been lucky enough to be at this fixture um, the last three years in Dortmund, is that, Form goes out the window. Now, before the game, you would have said, yes, on form, Borussia Dortmund should win this easily. But we hesitate to say that will be the case because there are all these unknowns. The two teams are just coming back from this long layoff for starters. We're not going to have the fans inside the stadium. We're not going to have these factors that be a derby for me anyway. 
um, one of the best derbies in the world, maybe outright the best derby in uh, world club football. But um, to analyse the game, the class difference was marked. Borussia Dortmund were on a different planet to Schalke on this particular day. So it went much more with uh, the form factors that we would have taken into account before the game. And, you know, apart from first few minutes when Schalke acquitted themselves decently, it really wasn't a contest. Uh, and I think Dortmund got the sense after the second goal went in, you know, we're not going to lose this. This is going to go our way. Uh, it was um, maybe just the sort of thing that jumped out at us because of these unique circumstances. And, and again, maybe this is indicative of how these Geisterspiele, these games without fans, are going to go much more often. Maybe they, the, the crowd factor uh, is going to mean that the team that is better on paper is going to be better on grass eight or nine times out of ten. We'll see what the evidence is uh, in the weeks ahead. But um, when you look at the game itself, Julian Brandt was absolutely magnificent, and I was pleased about that because I've always been a fan of Brandt in terms of his individual playing style. This season, of course, he's played in a couple of different positions for Borussia Dortmund. I actually thought he would probably start the game in that deeper position uh, with Axel Witzel being out, with Emre Chan not being available. But, of course, they used him higher up. They had to change their lineup uh, at the last minute. Reina was supposed to play, and then he got injured in the warm-up. So, again, we saw that Lucien Favre has at his disposal terrific attacking talent, and you can be without a couple of key players and, and still not be all that badly off. But a bit of soul-searching, I think, for Schalke, because um, they have definitely regressed in the second half of the season. They've lost their way. Um, they tried to change the system in the second half of this game, going to a back four. That didn't have much of an effect. And so, really, it was as easy a Dortmund win as you're ever likely to see in a Javier Derby. Yeah, kind of a perfect day for Dortmund, really, wasn't it, Chris? Um, as Derek mentioned, you know, Brandt was um, spectacular, providing uh, two goals. And I even enjoyed that kind of kung fu kick back heel that he did as well. That that was something special and kind of just passed by. Nobody seemed to really acknowledge it. But um, yeah, I mean, Favre's going to be absolutely delighted with uh, that performance coming straight out of this uh, break, a time where really any result could have popped up and it, it wouldn't have been that surprising. No, we've seen this season particularly how Dortmund have, have played exceptionally well on one game and then drop points um, you know, in the game or game or two after. But ever since Haaland's arrived, and I know he wasn't able to do it with Sancho on the pitch from from the start this weekend, but they've sort of hit up a nice little relationship. And I think now what Dortmund realise is they've got a quality striker in front of them who they can play to and who can make those runs. And some of the runs Haaland makes, even when he doesn't receive the ball, his run takes a defender away, which opens up the space for any of the attacking midfielders or the, or the wide forward areas to get to get through onto goal. So I do like the way and the way they're playing. I think this switch to the back three uh, has, has done them an immense um, privilege for them to be able to play the sort of football that maybe was lacking a little bit earlier on in the season and, and parts of last season. But yeah, they're exciting to watch and they couldn't have asked for a better return, really. Uh, disappointing for Schalke and for David Wagner, um, I, I've said it once, twice, you know, probably this might be the 10th time I'll say it again, but they do need a, a dedicated goal scorer and it doesn't matter who they got behind there. Um, you know, they can't carry it all on their own shoulders and that, that's something that Schalke are going to have to look at going forward. But I think it was key Dortmund won on this match day because of, of who was to play on Sunday and, and their rivals around them all playing a little bit later or um, with Leipzig playing at the same time. But yeah, it was a good weekend, but can it last? Can we go on? Are Dortmund going to be the ghost masters? We'll have to wait and see, but it's uh, it's a nice sign for them going forward. But, you know, Derek's already mentioned it and alluded to it. The next game um, after in the, the Classica is going to be a very telling game. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's going to be a, a, a massive one, really, isn't it? And Manu, just to touch a little bit on what uh, Derek said, um, and we touched uh, slightly on it last week, that it could have been the case. Without fans, that possibly the bigger sides would benefit. And uh, I suppose being the case in this game, and we'll talk a little bit further about the other ones, but uh, 
It, it, do you think that based on what we've seen in this game that that would be the case? Yeah, maybe based on what we've seen on that game. Um, I, I'm with Derek. I think um, this is a different game if if there's people on, in the stands. Um, Schalke seem to thrive off being booed and whistled for 90 minutes. It's, it's something that they really enjoy, it seems. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that would have maybe made a difference. But... Um, I'm not 100% sure that's actually the case because, for example, I expected RB Leipzig to do a lot better this weekend and they dropped points against Freiburg. You know, and, and yeah, Freiburg have been playing an exceptional season, but at the same time, you would think that the way Leipzig are stacked up, uh, the depth in the squad that they have, the amount of talent available, that they would win a game like that if it was in sterile conditions. And they didn't. And I think that they're still going to be certain teams that you know certain upsets are still going to happen because you know every team has to kind of deal with with this new reality in different ways and I think there's going to be a lot of rotations players going in and out of the squad maybe players even quarantined at some point who knows right so I still think that there's a little bit of an unknown but I also do think I mean we saw it in this game in particular I mean it, it was I tweeted it out um, during the, the match and said, this is what we call in German Klassenunterschied, right? Um, a class and dif difference in class. And um, it seemed like those two teams were almost playing in two different divisions. But it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to impact it long term. Um, you know, Leipzig is a great example. Maybe Bayern is another one. Yeah, and I think uh, we need to talk about uh, Bayern a little bit, uh, Derek. Um, Obviously, they played uh, Union Berlin um, on Sunday and uh, coming out 2-0 uh, victors. Uh, Union Berlin very much um, you know, benefit from that home support that they have. You know, it's a, so strong, it's so loud, it, it's, it's that 12th man for them that you would have said that if you were the full stadium, it would have possibly made the difference. We can't be sure, obviously. But um, Bayern came out and they left, looked a bit rusty, didn't they? they they're normally a side that benefits you know, from almost a, an international break. They seem to come back strong from, from that. But this obviously not being an international break, being something different. But yeah, it didn't seem to benefit them like we maybe would have expected. I thought there was a slight lack of edge to this game for whatever reason. And again, those of us who, who love going to Köpenick to watch Union, uh, there's a dynamic there. And, and it has to do with that actor, that character that was missing, namely the fans. And you can't really recreate that for a team like Union, who are all about gumption and passion and energy and, you know, let's face it, set plays as well. But the set plays within this kind of structure of of um, of the cauldron that is at their stadium, the Stadion and the Alten Försterei. Um, I totally agree. Bayern were not at their best, but did enough to win the game. Um, didn't think that Union really had enough weapons over the course of the 90 minutes really to trouble them. Um, so, again, Bayern, you know, if they'd been playing Borussia Dortmund, playing the way they did, you know, they might well have lost the game, but they weren't playing Borussia Dortmund. They were playing Union and they did what they had to do in this match. So, you know, three points and three points closer to winning the Meister Schale again. But we know Bayern can play better. Uh, I wouldn't be too critical because, again, these teams have just come back from uh, from not much training, certainly not as much training as they wanted to have. And, you know, I didn't think anybody on the, the side played particularly poorly but at the same time it wasn't a day where you said oh you know uh, this Bayern star really caught the eye or another Bayern star was absolutely out of this world it was a functional sort of performance uh, I, again doing what was required. Manu I suppose that's it you as Derek was uh, was pointing towards you know even when Bayern were not at their best they've still picked up two goals not conceded any and three points. <laughs> Today's sponsor is brought to you by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish by Nature Made is a personalized vitamin regimen that removes the guesswork of selecting supplements that are specific to you. Backed by 45 years of science, delivered right to your doorstep, and costing on average less than $2 a day. Nourish is your one-stop shop for customizable supplements. Visit nourish.com to get started today. 
one gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Yeah, although I was pretty impressed of how Union Berlin played in this game. Uh, I think in the end of the day, it was a cheaply given away penalty by Nathan Sobotic in the first half that, that made probably all the difference. Um, yes, Benjamin Pavard scored the, the second goal to make it 2-0. But at this stage, you know, you got the sense that if Union play a perfect game, um, you know, without little mistakes, maybe they could have gotten something from this. And it, it was the same in in the first in the first match between those two teams at the Allianz Arena where um Union missed the penalty right that you know that game ended 2-1 for for Bayern and they again Union came very close um in, in getting a point in that match as well so maybe we just don't give Union enough credit period um they're probably a better side than many people make them out to be and um perhaps with people in attendance they would have even challenged Bayern a little bit more. I read today too that um, they were kind of also um, resting a few players because they were worried about about extra yellow cards, suspensions, and then uh, on, of course on top of everything else, was Fischer, their head coach, was missing um, in this match because he had to go back to Switzerland. There's uh, unfortunately a death in the family, so um, this had nothing to do with COVID nineteen. It's still sad, very sad indeed. Um, my condolences to the family but um he wasn't at the game either so i think given all the circumstances they handled themselves really well and i know chris um has spoken very highly of union berlin many many times this season and you know you could really see in this game why he does because they are a very good team they have they have put together a side with very very little money and we have a statistic that we ran on transfermarkt where we compared Bayern's market value to union's market value and um, the difference is, is staggering, you know, in, in terms of, of what they spent. Bayern spent $157 million um, going into this season, or €160 million, Euros, and uh, Union just five, right? Um, so I think with everything in, with that in mind, I think it's it was a fantastic performance by Union. And maybe if they had played without a mistake, could have walked away with, with at least a point. Yeah, absolutely. They started off uh, very well, didn't they? Uh, just unfortunately, they, they couldn't uh, capitalise. At least Onion currently sitting in 12th and Bayern still at the top four points ahead of Dortmund. Um, a side that we need to talk about when, when we're referring to the title race is RB Leipzig. They only managed a 1-1 draw with Freiburg at the weekend. As Manu said, you would have imagined that they'd be a, a bit of a advantage you know of being you know maybe one of the bigger sides more money in this side you know coming up against um, a smaller one this wasn't the case Freiburg even had a goal cancelled out right at the end uh, Derek would you say about RB Leipzig that this is possibly their title challenge over at this stage um, and you know where did it all go wrong for them at the weekend I'm not quite ready to write them off yet because we still have a few weeks ahead of us and we don't quite know if there are going to be thrills and spills with regard to some of the other teams. I actually thought of all the Saturday afternoon games, this was the most compelling. This was the one that had me uh, most gripped again, bouncing from game to game to game. And uh, I didn't think Leipzig were awful. I mean, I, I thought some of their play was was quite effective. Um, they took the game to Freiburg for virtually the entire second half. They just really were found wanting in front of goal. And, uh, you know, Lukman in particular, I think about the chance that he missed when it was gaping at him. Um, credit to Freiburg. Again, a bit like Union, they, they do what they do so well. And, you know, it's not spectacular. Um, it's not pretty all the time, but it's very gritty all the time. And, and it was. It was a typical Christian Streich-esque performance by Freiburg. And they matched Leipzig in the way that 
Freiburg can. They're not going to get into a, a footballing contest with RB Leipzig, but they did in terms of their commitment, in terms of their tactical discipline for much of the game. They led a bit of a charmed life, and uh, I thought Schwolo, um was, if not the best goalkeeping performance of the weekend, certainly up there amongst um, the best uh, of any side. And, uh, you know, I, I thought uh, Freiburg made it a game without it being a sort of a uh, it takes two to tango kind of um, style game. Uh, but Leipzig will be kicking themselves. They'll feel it was one that certainly got away from them. They switched things around in the second half. They began with a back three. Uh, Adams moved to right back in the second half when they had a four with, as Mukiele was taken off uh, at the interval for them. And um, with Lukman coming on, of course, it just was one of those days where it didn't fully click, but but I, I would not want to, to, as I said, be too critical in terms of saying, you know, Leipzig really messed up in this game. Um, it was, you know, up and down, but disappointing for them that they didn't get three points against a, a, a good Freiburg. Yeah, very good performance by Freiburg. I think uh, other good performances that we need to uh, touch on over the weekend, Chris, would be, well, tonight's performance by Bayer Leverkusen. You have a very convincing 4-1 victory over a very poor Werner Bremen. And then the uh, late kickoff game on Saturday, where we've seen Borussia Mönchengladbach win 3-1 away to Eintracht Frankfurt with a very early player goal after 36 seconds. Yeah, it was a very early goal. I'm glad I had uh, nipped to the toilet before the game started because I, I, I might have come back and have missed two goals. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful start for Gladbach. And I think it's just more evidence of, of how well Marco Rosa has prepped that team, how well he's trained them throughout the whole of the season. I do think they're um, punching above their own weight may be a little unkind, but I think they're um, definitely exceeding expectations that everybody had at the start of the season. And they do have some wonderful players. Um, I mean, look who they brought off the bench, um, the likes of Stindl and Herman and Vent, um, and who they had to start with, player Thuramu. He's just, oh, I just can't find enough words to describe him. He's just a really exciting player to watch play. Mbolo's the same player, obviously scored, you know, early on and, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a shock for Frankfurt, who I know we keep saying about the fans, but I mean, the um, the Commerce Bank Arena is is one of the most atmospheric grounds in the whole of Europe. I think that has been proven throughout their entire Europa League journey in the last couple of seasons. So I, I think that may have, have hindered them a little. But yeah, by the time Frankfurt sort of um, dragged themselves back into it, uh, you know, the game was well over and we'd seen quite a few substitutions by then, which I think we'll continue to see and may affect the flow of the game a little bit uh, as we move on through these match days. But for Gladbach, it was it was a fantastic result, especially considering um, Leipzig slipped up and now they've gone back into third, two points behind Dortmund, six points behind Bayern. Um, they're another side I might just not write off yet either, Bryce. Yeah, absolutely. They've thrown themselves uh, back in the game, really, haven't they? Um, a fantastic uh, victory for uh, Leverkusen and Gladbach. But uh, Derek, I, I suppose you know everyone's always talking about you, the young prospects, you in the Bundesliga. There's so many to mention, but uh, Kai Havertz once again tonight was uh, very impressive. Oh, an absolute joy, and I'm pleased that he did it. On a Monday, I'm not necessarily talking up the merits of Monday night football, but uh, I think a lot of people will have been watching, uh, you know, had time to watch on a Monday. It was a standalone game. And of course, we know all about how good he is. But, you know, I think for a lot of people who are, are you know, not committed Bundesliga fans, this was an opportunity for them to actually look at Kai Havertz, but within the Leverkusen system, which I think is important because, uh, you know, you'll hear people saying, oh, yeah, you know, he should join Club X or Club Y. But a player is only as good as the platform he is given. And I, I like the way uh, Peter Bosch uses Kai Havertz. I, I think he understands from game to game how to get the best out of him. And, you know, playing in this setup against an admittedly pretty ropey Werder Bremen, um, it certainly suited uh, Havertz. And, and he absolutely took the game by the scruff of the neck. And people always ask me about Havertz who don't watch the Bundesliga like we do. And I say he's, he's sort of this freak of nature, um, Havertz, because you don't get many people who are, you know, he's tall for the one thing uh, for the on the one hand. Um, but, you know, he that's not necessarily what you would say is the main physical 
characteristic from a footballing point of view. But of course, he when you score goals in the air like he did, you say, OK, he's got that. But he's also got that lovely way to pass. He can score from a long way out. He just is authoritative. And I thought that authority really came shining through on the television screen and will have done for anybody who was watching him for the first time. Absolutely. You know, it was a good insight as to what he can do. But Derek, he's not the youngest um, man to debut for Bayer Leverkusen anymore, is he? No, uh, because we have a fellow by the name of Florian Wertz, who, again, everybody will have heard of now. And again, good timing by Peter Bosch to give him his Bundesliga debut, the youngest player ever to line up for Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga and actually the third youngest in history if you look at all teams and again we saw didn't we I'm sure everybody will agree we saw that he is ready for prime time based on that performance I thought he strolled through the game he just had that quality that you see in young players when they are ready Um, he didn't look overawed by it at all Uh, I don't know whether it helped him, the fact that there were no fans in the stadium. I get the impression with him that uh, it wouldn't have mattered either way. Just a natural footballing talent and a name we're going to be hearing a lot about in the months and years to come. Okay, well, that was just another special for you there. That was the Union intro music. We'll be featuring a different club each week as the season goes on. Yeah, very exciting. And a big part of the game and the atmosphere over there. Uh, Manu, we're going to go to you now. and Let's talk a little bit about uh, the reaction of the DFL. Yeah, um, I was actually fortunate enough to be on a conference call with um, Robert Klein, the CEO of Bundesliga International. And Derek, you, you will know him quite well as well. Uh, yep. I spoke to him this morning and um, just to get a sense of how the league felt on how it went. And um, I think the, the sentence that stood out the most to me in this entire conversation was Robert Klein saying, I hope we earned another match day um, with the concept that we put out and with with everything that we did this weekend, and I think that is the that is the really big question going forward. We have seen a full match day now, right? Match day twenty six in the box. Now the next steps are the 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 next set of tests, which will be conducted on Wednesday. Um, takes about twenty four hours until we get results. Important: the players are not going to be quarantined anymore, right? They are basically going back to. Well, like everyone else around the world, we're still supposed to keep our distance and maintain our distance and all that kind of stuff. So they're not going back to a normal life. No one is, but to a more normal life than before. And I think the tests on Wednesdays are going to be very telling. And then they have another test, um, depending on when they're playing, 24 hours before the next game. Um, so it's going to be really interesting i think to see whether um what these tests are going to do and what if what happens if we have another series of positive results like we did with dresden did that mean we're going to have um players being just taken out and isolated or are we going to have entire teams what's that going to do to the match day schedule i think so this is just a really first step and um, it was really interesting hearing from them and also interesting. And Derek, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about this. They were kind of talking about not really generalizing how they're going to do it, but talking about improving the match day experience for people turning on the television. I know in Germany they have experimented sort of with the FIFA 2020 uh, from EA Sports, you know, the sound background, like with fake fans. Um, but yeah, there's they sort of don't have a plan on it yet but i'm curious like what do you think could be done to um you know to bring in maybe some sort of atmosphere or make this game more interactive so that fans can take part be, i think that's a really interesting discussion to be had yeah and i think you do have to tread carefully when you talk about this and i say this from experience because i'm going to take you back to the 1990s when i began working at espn 
And we would often have games come in from South America without a crowd track. It was just the, the nature of how sometimes games came in and the person that the TV company was buying the game from didn't supply a crowd track. So what do you do as a broadcaster? You have to come up with your own. So you have this fake crowd track coming underneath a game and you would think okay well you know it should vaguely match if you've got people being loud but of course it doesn't at all um we are used to the swells the oohs and ahs of the crowd and if you just have um staple crowd noise but it's out of context with the game it really sort of sounds a bit ridiculous um you know when there's a an excellent shot and, and just this sort of one steady level of crowd um, because that's not natural. That that sounds completely unnatural. Whereas at least at the moment with, okay, albeit the echoes and the, the shouts of the players, you can hear some sort of reaction that is uh, instantaneous and is simultaneous with what is actually happening. So I don't know how um, you really can do this effectively without having a very sophisticated system for doing it, without having um, a, a natural way of swelling the crowd. I, I, again, um, you know, maybe the technology has evolved in a way that this can be done more effectively nowadays, and maybe you have to get music involved as well, and, and maybe the PA has to be more involved. And again, that is not what we're used to hearing in a Bundesliga game. So I think it is quite a, a tricky area, um, but I absolutely take the point that it's one that, that should be open for discussion. Yeah, Chris, it'll be interesting to hear uh, your opinion on this as well, the, the match day experience and, and what can possibly be done. Do you, do you think crowd noises should be played in you know, from the PA? Do you think the broadcaster should uh, maybe add them to it? Um, do, does any of this then upset maybe fans? You know, they, they're saying, well, all of a sudden you, you're pushing us to the side. Maybe you don't need us anymore. But well, even apart from this, you know, what, what could possibly be done to improve the match day experience? Well, Bryce, I am um, I'm vehemently dead against any sort of artificial upgrading. Um, and I say that because before I worked in football, I was a fan of football and I, and I like going to the football and I like putting my own point across. Um, and Derek's already mentioned it with the problems they had, you know, matching ESPN. There's, there's certain things that you need to hear. So if, if a bad pass is played, you'll hear crowd, you, oh, and you'll hear a if it's a close shot. And that's what that that comes from the heart and, and the soul of supporters. And last week, or it might have even been 10 days ago now, I'm struggling with time concepts. Um, I spoke to some guys from Unser Curva from One Curve in Germany, um, and, and I had a really good conversation with them. And they're dead against artificial upgrading. Um, you know, they're dead against uh, either some sort of AI, so computer-generated fans, or they're dead against um, fans' noise being put through because at the end of the day, those fan noises, if they're going to be taken from previous German games, those noises belong to the fans and the fans aren't there. And I think throughout all of this, we need to remember that that football fans are at the heart of football. And if they're not there, we need to remember that. And the only way we can remember that is by not hearing them. So I am dead against it. I'm, I'm dead against everything. I'm certainly dead against what they did in Korea with the um, with the dolls that they dressed up. I'm dead against that. Um, I wouldn't like to see it in Germany. I wouldn't like to see it in the Premier League. I think we need to remember what football is um, and, and that it belongs to everybody. Um, and I, I am dead against that. Um, that particular aspect of, of pumping in soundtracks, etc. I'd rather hear the players speak. I'd rather hear. I mean, this evening's game was great. You heard you heard someone not particularly pleased with the pass they made. Yet you're hearing um, things like time, turn, now, release, one, two, I'm gone. We're hearing all these sort of things that you forget goes on on a professional level because you'll hear it on a park on a Sunday. You know, I used to hear it when my lad played at an academy side. You'd hear him and his teammates discussing, and I do really like. Like that insight that we're getting and and if these particular times we're going through we can't have fans i don't think they should be artificially injected into any sort of broadcast i mean that that's my own personal opinion and there we go that's chris's opinion <laughs> so um just i suppose we'll go to uh Derek, uh, for this one, um, it's a bit of a tricky question, really. But um, I, I suppose, first of all, as Manu mentioned, you know, the, the real test, um, I should have used a different word, really, but the real test is the tests that come back this week and, you know, how it all um, looks, you know, going into the next match day. Hopefully everything goes all right. But uh, Derek, how confident are you that, you know, the season will get finished? 
I think we're still in the land of the unknown. I, I think we do have to take it week by week. And, you know, Manu talking earlier there about what uh, Robert Klein from Bundesliga International was saying. And this echoes what Christian Seifert, um, the CEO of the DFL, has said. It's a matter of earning the right to have another match day and then another match day. And we can't possibly anticipate what is going to happen down the line. It was a very good start a very smooth start. Um, everything that the hygiene plan was supposed to offer was uh, put into practice and was offered and and was delivered upon. Um, but, you know, for example, as we speak now, just a few hours ago, uh, there were a couple of cases in Chemnitz, um, third division team, not too far from Dresden, of course, second division team who, who made the news and the Dresden squad made to go into quarantine as a squad for 14 days. In Chemnitz, the decision was uh, only the player concerned who tested positive. So, you know, we're not out of the woods on this one at all. And we're probably not going to be. I mean, the chances are, I think we would all have to say, the chances are there will be more positive cases among footballers. That stands to reason when you are anybody, you know, in if you are active, if you're out and about at the moment, um, you know, your chances go up. Even in Germany, where um, everybody from you know, government down uh, has dealt with the situation much better than in other countries. So I think it's just a watching brief. And, and I think we have to, uh, to take it day by day, not be too judgmental about it, but assess each case on its merits. And I think as well, I think we have to trust that when a health authority makes a particular ruling that it's 14 days, I, I hope we won't all say, well, why are they doing that? This is ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I think they are in a job for a reason to make these calls on behalf of their society. Uh, and, you know, I think most of us would applaud the fact that Germany is a decentralized country for a reason. And, uh, you know, those of us who are from countries that are not as decentralized, I think, look on sometimes with, with great envy. And, and it will be frustrating for football fans that at times it will appear to be inconsistent from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But I do firmly believe we have to live with that and we have to listen to the decision makers because that is why they are charged with the tasks that they face. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's going to be testing times in the, in the uh, next few weeks uh, and nervy times, I suppose, that, you know, we can uh, keep the league going. Um, but time will tell. We are in the unknown. Uh, guys, we're going to finish the podcast off a little bit like what we did um, last week uh, with some questions uh, from uh, people who've been getting in touch uh, on Twitter. Uh, we've got two questions today. Um, Manu, I'm going to go to you, I think, uh, for this one. Uh, we have at Eric W. Soccer says, Bremen are obviously going down. What can they do in the rest of the season to set the stage for a comeback season and promotion next year? Does that involve firing Kofeld? I think that the train on firing Kofeld has now left. Um, I, I think that Florian Kofeld is a, is a very nice person. Um, I had the chance to speak to him post games a few times and I think that he is a little overwhelmed with the situation in Bremen and it seems like whatever he's doing, whatever he's planning to do, um, it just doesn't seem to work. Now, I know that of other clubs going down with the same, keeping with the same coach has worked in the past. I mean, Freiburg are a great example where they, where they stuck to the coach right um, many times, whether it be Christian Streich or his predecessors. Um, Mainz was a similar example with Jurgen Klopp. So um, maybe going down, taking back a step with Kofeld um, and trying to rebuild is going to work. But Bremen are in such a volatile situation, not just with what's going on in the field right now, but also financially, that a step back in the Bundesliga too. And we've seen teams go down of Bremen's size. Uh, one, one example is Kaiserslautern in, in a city, in an area of Germany that's very comparable to Bremen and they've never come back. Um, you know, so going down is very dangerous or even Hamburg we've been down there for two years now. So I think that um, this is this is this is really a big test for Kofeld and I um, I'd be very concerned if it was a Werder Bremen fan and I'm not sure that you know trying to see out the season with him and then just going for a rebuild next year in Bundesliga two is um, is is a straightforward easy course. 
No, not at all. Um, you, many sides when they are threatened to go down or they do go down, you know, it's always we're going to bounce back. It doesn't always happen as we've experienced. Final question that we have, and uh, this will probably be the the last talking point of the podcast tonight. Uh, we've got at Josh Sim Eight. How impressed were you guys with Hertha Berlin? And their first win under Labadia on Saturday. Derek, if you'd like to take this one. Very impressed. Uh, maybe surprisingly so. I went into that game thinking that it could be a bit tricky for Hertha because I know Labadia had spoken ahead of time uh, in frustration about the fact that he hadn't really had much time to work with his new charges. A new coach in place. It's been such a season of confusion, really, for Hertha, given all the upheaval and the various different coaches but this was a very calming performance, especially in the second half. And I think pride of place goes to Veda Adibizovic, who showed us again just what a fine pro he is, how much know-how he has. And, of course, Mateus Cunha with that spectacular goal. And, yeah, we could talk about the excessive nature of the celebration, given all the regulations. But if we just want to talk about the football, it was one of the better Hertha performances that we've seen in this entire campaign, solid at the back, led by Dedrick Boyata, um, efficient in midfield, and that bit of flair from Mateus Cunha higher up the pitch, and Ibizovic doing the rest. Uh, Hoffenheim didn't really get close to them in that second half. No, they didn't. And uh, as you said, uh, Derek, that was very much one of the surprises of the weekend. We're going to start off next weekend uh, match day with the Berlin Derby, which is going to be equally as exciting and interesting, I'd imagine. But uh, that more or less does it uh, on the podcast uh, today. Um, we've really enjoyed having you on, Derek. Um, hopefully you'll come back on in the future. And um, yeah, it's, it's, where can people maybe hear you or uh, get in touch with you um, as the weekend um, approaches? Well, I think my uh, media appearances for the foreseeable future, Bryce, are going to be restricted to my Twitter feed at Raycom, R-A-E-C-O-M-M, because I live in Massachusetts and have no realistic way of getting to Germany, nor do I think it would be very sensible for us to be jumping on planes anytime soon. Um, it's going to be social media for a while, but obviously I'll be watching as closely as ever. Well, I'll tell you now, make sure that you do uh, start to follow uh, Derek on Twitter. It's uh, it's very entertaining and there is so much information on there. I don't know how you do it. I really don't. But thanks once again, Derek, for uh, coming on to the podcast. I think that'll more or less uh, do it for this week. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and we'll be back very, very soon with more Bundesliga talk um, your way. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.